Hi, I'm Lesha Holzaffel, and you're listening to the Fit Mom Squad podcast, a podcast for moms who are ready to lose the weight they want without gaining it back by learning the holistic approach to nutrition and how our brains determine our long-term success. Welcome to the Fit Mom Squad. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, I have a very special guest with me, Mr. Ben Azadi. Welcome to the Fit Mom Squad podcast, Ben. Lesia, thank you for having me on your podcast. I'm so excited to talk today about one of our favorite topics. I think you and me both feel the same way about this, calories, and we're going to go all in on it. But before we do, can you share your story with the audience? I know your story. It's a beautiful story. And for those that maybe don't know you or your story, can you share it with us of what you do, who you help, a little bit about your mission? Absolutely. So like many, I followed a standard American diet as a kid. And it was really, it's a really toxic diet. It's really heavily processed and toxic seed oils and sugar and high fructose corn syrup, the standard American diet, the way of living. And that was my life growing up, very much unhealthy as a kid. I was obese, physically obese, but also mentally obese with depression and suicidal thoughts really had a bad lifestyle growing up, bad behaviors, addictions to video games and drugs and really bad environment with my relationships. And this transferred to my adulthood where I was 23, 24 years old back in 2008. And I was a 250 pound man who was miserable, who wanted to give up on life, searching for ways to end my life because I was tired of being depressed, didn't have any goals in my life, never studied health and nutrition. I was a mess and I felt like I was a hundred and 24 years old, not just 24 years old. So I knew I had to make a decision and I knew I was not going to take my life because I kept thinking about my mom. And I know that's your mom and your podcast is two moms and moms are like, they're so valuable. My mom is very valuable to me and I didn't want to hurt her. I didn't want to leave her with that devastation of her son taking his life. So it stopped me. But I, I think if I didn't have my mom in my life, I would have probably taken my life. We would not be having this conversation today. So, but it was a vicious cycle because I kept thinking about suicide and then thinking about my mom and back and forth. But finally, I was given a book. My best friend gave me a book and they said, Hey, read this book. I know you're going through a tough time. I think this book will help you. So I ended up reading the book, first book I ever read in my entire life, besides, you know, school textbooks and all that. And it really opened up a whole new world to me. And that one book inspired me to pick up a second book and then a fifth, a tenth, a twentieth book. And I just started to become obsessed with authors like, Bob Proctor, who's actually right behind me in the photo, Wayne, Dr. Wayne Dyer and Lisa Nichols and Tony Robbins and Earl Nightingale, and Jim Rohn and Zig Ziglar and all these amazing authors. It's like, oh my gosh, this is a whole new world I never knew existed. And the books did so much for me. But the number one thing the books did for me, they helped me take ownership, helped me take responsibility for the first time in my life. And that's where all change starts when you take responsibility over your circumstances. That word responsibility it's very important. That is your ability to respond to life. My ability to respond to life was poor. I was blaming my genetics. I was blaming my enabling family members, my slow metabolism. I was blaming everyone and everything except for myself. But when you take ownership, you're the only one responsible. You are fully responsible. And the cool thing about that, it's almost impossible to play the victim card, to be angry, to be bitter, to be resentful, and take responsibility at the same time. They don't match. It's like oil and water. So when I took responsibility and I said, I am responsible for my results in life, I immediately stopped being the victim of my history and started to become the victor of my destiny. 
And that's where change started for me. I started to move my body. I started to eat real food. And I went through this incredible health transformation back in 2008, where I lost 80 pounds. I went from 34% body fat down to 6% body fat, finally achieved a physical six pack. But the most important thing that I achieved was a, a mental six pack. And I started to really understand how important your thoughts are towards your health and how what you eat, your food determines your mood and how there's a relationship there. And that was about 14 years ago. I became a personal trainer throughout my journey. I owned a CrossFit gym throughout my journey and sold it eventually. And then I got certified as a functional health coach. And I just became obsessed with learning nutrition and health. And I got fascinated with keto and intermittent fasting and you know cellular metabolism. So I've been in the game now for 14 years in the health space. And who I serve primarily are people who have metabolic dysfunction, which is 88% of the country, who have insulin resistance, type 2 diabetes. They are tired of yo-yo dieting. They're tired of the dietitians and nutritionists and doctors and fitness coaches telling them, hey, you're just a glutton. Eat less and move your body more, which we'll talk about is a big failure. And my company is called Keto Camp, Camp with the K. And our mission is to educate and to inspire 1 billion people on planet Earth. So that's what we do now. I love it. I'm so glad that you're here because your message, it's everywhere and it should be everywhere. And I love every time I open up TikTok or Instagram, YouTube, you're there spreading your message. You don't let the haters get to you. You don't let anything get to you because you have a mission and your mission is so important. So thank you for that. A couple of things yeah, I wanted to ask. What was the first book that kind of catapulted you into this personal development journey? It was a book called The Slight Edge by Jeff Olson, which talks love. about... You read it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm a personal development junkie myself. Love that <laughs> book. The Slight Edge. Any of you who are listening that you kind of feel like stuck in life, truly stuck, you need that book. I gave it to my best friend and she's like, this book changed my life. She's trying to get her husband to read it. He's not much of a reader. I'm like, get him the audio version. He needs to listen to this. Uh, yeah, that's a so, great recommendation. Yeah, yeah I'm actually inspired book. to read it again now. Yeah, that was the first book though. Yeah. That's awesome. So when you were a fitness trainer and you owned a CrossFit gym, how are you approaching weight loss? I assume you were into, correct me if I'm wrong, kind of the whole like macros, calories in, calories out. And where was that switch into functional nutrition for you? Yeah, I was. You're right. That's a good assumption. For many, many years, I would teach not just the members at my CrossFit gym, but also like my content was all about, <laughs> I called it the science of fat loss. I thought I was so smart. And I used to do seminars here in Miami many, many years ago at my CrossFit gym and teach them. It was called the science of fat loss. And I would teach them how to essentially burn more calories than you consume. <laughs> and I thought we have this down to a science. It's so easy. You know, what comes in, you got to burn it up before you know, it gets stored. And if you do that, you're on your way to, to weight loss. So I would teach people how to calculate your total daily energy expenditure, this TDEE, mm -hmm. calculate your basal metabolic rate, meaning how many calories you're burning if you just sat on your butt all day. And then once you have that, let's figure out an exercise plan, an eating plan to lower calories and bump up your exercise to put you in a deficit. Mm -hmm. And here's the tricky thing about this. It works in mm -hmm. the beginning. Mm -hmm. You know, you start to lose weight and you're like, man, this is good. Uh, then what happens after a few weeks, the weight loss slows. So the, the coach or the person who taught you how to do this says, oh, we just have to create a new deficit. So let's cut your calories a little bit more, add a you know a little bit, 20 more, more minutes of exercise, and let's get more calorie burn going. And then it works a little bit again, and then it slows down. But what was happening and what I've seen doing this for many years is that it takes the attention off of what's really important when it comes to getting healthy and losing weight. 
and that is inflammation and hormones. When you're just focusing on calories, which I did, it's a distraction and your metabolism actually slows down. Your hormones become more resistant and it does, and it did my community a big disservice. So I decided, wow, this is not working long-term. It's failing for almost every single person long-term. And it's only so many calories I could tell people to cut and only so much exercise they can do before they burn themselves out. And that's when I started to change my paradigm and think about other ways to do this, which I believe and you believe are the right ways to get healthy and lose weight. Yeah, I agree. And I think, I don't know your opinion on this, but I always think about this. Like, why are we still so obsessed with calories and counting calories? And my initial thoughts are like, okay, maybe it's because they worked right in the beginning. So we always tend to go back. Our brain always goes, wait, well, what worked in the past? Well, it has to work now. So it's like, it's 2022 and the whole calories in calories out myths, they won't die. It's like, dude, people are still getting COVID. And it's like, why do you think that we are still so obsessed with the calories, especially as women, especially as moms that grew up like, you know, back in the seventies, eighties, all the diets where, yeah, you keep cutting calories, but it's like, you have to keep cutting them. And then what you're eating nothing. And then the opposite happens. Your metabolism slows down, you get metabolic adaptation, you start gaining weight. So why do you think as a culture and society, we are still so obsessed with calories and counting them? Yeah, you said it, you know, you repeat a lie often enough, it gets accepted as truth. And the whole calories in versus calories out is part of that. People believe that's the way to lose weight. So the problem is twofold here, primarily to why it's still a problem to, that people are focused on calories. Number one, it's easy. Like it, it's easy on paper, meaning calculate how many calories you burn each day, eat less. It looks very like doable on paper. And then number two, it works in the beginning. And it probably has worked for you in the past. So you think, like you said, why not just do that same thing again? But it doesn't work long term. It actually puts you more in a negative state long term. It creates more problems long term. It creates more hormone resistance. We do not have a weight problem in this world. When I was obese, I never had a weight problem. If you're listening to this right now and you have 100 pounds of extra weight you want to release, you don't have a weight problem. That is a symptom. That is a result of the problem. Telling people to just chase and count calories is like going to a seminar where, let's say, it's a financial workshop. You want to learn about how to make more money, how to earn more money. So you go and you pay to watch Warren Buffett, one of the richest people on the earth, teach how to get financially independent. And he's giving his workshop. And then you ask a question, you raise your hand and like, Mr. Buffett, how do I make more money? And he says, that's simple. Just spend less than you earn. Mm -hmm. And you're like, okay, yeah, that sounds right. But it's not giving me the step. It's not giving me the solution. Like, but how do I do that? <laughs> right? right? Same thing with calories in versus calories out. Yeah, calories matter. We're not denying that, but they're not important. It's not as simple as just telling people to eat less and move more. So that's the problem. We were up against years and years and years of this rhetoric. Repeat a lie often enough becomes as accepted as truth and it works short term. So that's the battle we're up against. Yeah. And then when it comes to, to keto, I kind of want to transition into like your thoughts on if calories matter on keto or count on keto, because a lot of people will say, well, if you're doing keto, you don't have to pay attention to calories at all. Right. So there's like that group of people. And then there's another group of people that are like, like the bros out there that are like, the only reason keto works is that you're in a deficit and you're eating less. I got to have my bro <laughs> voice, right? That's good bro and voice. it's like, you go to their page and they're all like buff and like, you know, 
t-shirt less and like spewing their calorie stuff everywhere. So what are your thoughts on keto with calories? Well, what I teach my keto academy students is not to focus on calories at all. We never focus on calories. Calories always matter. It's true, but they're just not important. Like when we talk about priorities for getting healthy and losing weight, calories are not at the top. They're not even close. So we focus on macros for sure. We focus on getting enough protein. And as long as you're hitting that protein requirement, hey, you could get your calories then from your plate of food or you could get it from your body fat. So it's like, and most people want need to get it from their body fat. So it's really about a metabolic flexibility, the ability to have your body switch from burning sugar, tapping into your body fat. So we do not focus on calories on keto. We don't recommend that. Macros are a different story, especially in the beginning. There's a couple of macros you want to pay attention to, which is carbs. You want to get it under a certain point. And then you do want an abundance of healthy fat in the beginning. But if you've been doing keto for a while, the only macro you really want to hit and pay attention to is the protein macronutrient. So when it comes to keto, just to clarify, because some people are still confused between the difference between calories and macros. Can you just explain that briefly? Yeah. So macros are macronutrients. And there's three of them primarily. You have protein, you have fat, and then you have carbohydrates. And out of those three macronutrients, one of them is not essential, meaning they're not required for life. And that's carbohydrates. There's no such thing as essential carbohydrates, meaning carbs are not necessary to survive. Now, I'm not saying to never eat carbs and there's a time and place for it, but they're not essential. There's essential fats, essential proteins, but not essential carbohydrates. So those are the three macronutrients and they all have a, in a, a different caloric energy per gram, right? You have four for uh, carbohydrates, you have four grams for protein and nine grams for fat. So fat has a little bit more calories. So if you're eating more fat on keto, you're probably eating more calories, but how do you lose weight? Well, because it's not a weight, it's not a calorie thing. It's a hormone thing. That's why it works. So when you say it's a hormone thing, what does that actually mean? So the calories that we're consuming, how do the hormones determine what our bodies do with those calories? Yeah, it's a good question because it's the hormones and it's the hormones ability to communicate with your cells. So when you think about the human body, there's depending on how big the person is, 30 to 70 trillion cells in a single human body. Every cell has this layer around it. And I know you know this, Lessa, but I'm going to explain it for your audience. This layer called the cell membrane, it's a lipid bilayer, and it's made up of fat. Lipid means fat. So it's actually made up of protein, saturated fat, and cholesterol, which are all bad words to a lot of doctors. So your cells are actually made up of fat. The membrane is where the intelligence is. It's not your DNA nucleus. Your genes are not your destiny. If you have cancer or autoimmune or diabetes in your family and you have those genes, it doesn't mean it's in your future the membrane actually communicates with your DNA nucleus to either turn on genes or turn them off. What's integrated into the membrane are these receptor sites. Uh, they're called integral membrane proteins. We're going to call them receptor sites. There's about 30,000 of these receptor sites are, that are integrated into one cell. And think of these receptor sites as a cell phone antenna. The job of a cell phone antenna is to receive a communication, a signal, and then to produce a specific job. Same thing is happening in your body. Those receptor sites around your cells, inside of your cells, are receiving communication signals from your hormones, from nutrients, from oxygen, from thoughts, and a whole bunch of other things. But hormones, we have fat-burning hormones. If those fat-burning hormones are not able to attach to that receptor site and tell that cell to create energy and burn fat, burn energy and, and produce ketones, 
then we have the process of storing fat. So there's one hormone that causes the body to store fat, only one, and that is insulin. And insulin is not bad. Thank God for insulin. Otherwise, we wouldn't exist. Our ancestors needed to store fat and eat a lot of food when they had it to store as much fat as possible. But insulin is a bully, and it's going to cause your body to store fat. When you eat food, you're going to spike glucose in your blood. Carbs will spike it the most. Protein has a minimal response, and then fat has no response. But when you eat food, you raise glucose. That is toxic to have excess glucose in your body. So insulin is pumped out from your pancreas to shuttle the excess glucose from the bloodstream into your cells for energy. When that happens from time to time, that's okay. But when it happens all day long, you're eating a whole bunch of carbs and eating it frequently, you're consistently spiking glucose and insulin, and you're always in this fat storage state, and you're just storing fat and storing fat. So what we want to do is lower insulin and work on reducing cell membrane inflammation. So now that communication is being heard much more efficiently. So cell sensitivity is the goal. When I see somebody who is obese when I'm at airports or you know at the beach. If I see an obese person, I don't see somebody who has a weight problem. Like I mentioned, I see somebody who has a hormone problem, mm-hmm. right? So we work on the hormones, we work on the inflammation and keto and ketones being in ketosis, one of the best ways to not only lower insulin, also to lower cell membrane inflammation and at the same time, raise your metabolic rate. It's like a win-win-win here. Yeah. And also fasting, which brings me to my next question, because you teach fasting. That's like one of your four pillars. And the misconception is that, well, isn't fasting just cutting calories because you're eating less and that's why it works so well. So what do you say that? What's the difference? Is there a difference between fasting and being in a calorie deficit and cutting calories? Yeah, there is a difference. Now, that can be true. Some people who do intermittent fasting and keto naturally eat less calories, but that's very different. Cutting your calories with intermittent fasting is very different than cutting your calories with not fasting, meaning eating throughout the day. Because when you fast, you get the benefit of something called counter-regulatory hormones. Insulin needs to drop low enough for these hormones to go up. They run counter to insulin. That's why they're called counter-regulatory hormones. So when insulin drops during a fast, hormones like glucagon and human growth hormone and cortisol and other hormones go up. And this is your body's way of actually pumping you full of energy and resources and keeping your metabolic rate and metabolism um, humming along so it's not slowing down. Versus if you cut those calories, but you ate throughout the day, you don't get the benefit of this because you keep spiking insulin, you don't get the counter-regulatory hormone. So there's a big difference there. Plus you get the benefits of autophagy, which is cellular repair and cleanup. But in general, intermittent fasting is not about eating less. It's about eating less often, okay? We're not talking about cutting calories with intermittent fasting. We're talking about here's your eating window and then here's your fasting window. And sometimes you might cut your calories naturally when you do that, but sometimes you won't. But that doesn't even matter. We're not even focusing on the calories. It's about giving your body time in your digestive system, time to repair and clean up, and then giving your body time to actually get the nutrients in. So that's what intermittent fasting is about. Yeah. So for women that are listening to this and they're like, oh my gosh, I don't even know what life would look like without me cutting calories or how would I even start with this? What would you say for someone that has just been so obsessed and so used to always counting the calories and paying attention? Where would they start? Like what little steps? Because it's so hard to go from like absolutely not caring at all about any of the calories and just like, oh, I'm just not going to even pay attention to them. So what do you think is helpful for those women that are 
trying to make the transition, but they're struggling with not being so focused on the calorie number. This is actually wonderful news for you because what a burden you get to unload. <laughs> it's right? like no longer I have to track every piece of gum that goes into your mouth. Right? I've been there myself. Mm -hmm. and Me too. Yeah, this is good news. Congratulations. Like get this off your plate, focus on something else. And I would say this, get into ketosis first. Do a little bit of some keto, get fat adapted. You're going to naturally find that you're going to eat less. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to mark down that you're eating, you know, 500 calories less or whatever. So that's a relief, but you're going to naturally eat less because when you're in ketosis, it's very satiating. When you eat more protein, it's very satiating and filling. So it's good news for you. Mm -hmm. I would recommend first to do keto and then you could pair with intermittent fasting. So it's wonderful news. I, I wouldn't look at it like a burden, like, oh my gosh, I'm so used to this. It's like, thank God I get to take this off my plate and not worry about this anymore. Yeah, I know. Tracking is such a, sometimes I track just like, when I was transitioning to carb cycling and because I haven't eaten carbs so long, I was like, oh, I don't even know how many to eat and all of that. But I'm like, oh my goodness, I couldn't even do more than three days. I was just like, I don't know how people do this all their lives, like tracking no. everything they eat. It's such like a time suck. And it's just like, oh, I forgot to track. And like, you don't even know if it's accurate, like who invented, who put these numbers in here? It's like, how did they measure all of this? It's craziness. So it so gives true. you freedom, freedom to just eat real food. Right. Mm, and so when yeah. it comes to doing keto and focusing on things that are more important to calories than calories, what would you say those things are that we should focus on instead of calories? Well, the fundamentals, fundamentals of health are important. And that's going to be sleep, making sure you're getting quality, restorative sleep, where actually you burn a lot of fat during sleep and go through other amazing processes. So we want to look at the fundamentals. One of them is sleep. Work on that first. Mindset, you mentioned you're a big personal development person. I am too. Mindset, the mental six pack, the inner sizing, that's very important because you become what you think about most of the time. And if the average person, and this is a study that was done, the average person is thinking 60,000 thoughts per day, choose wisely because they determined in that study that the 90% of those 60,000 thoughts are the same thoughts from yesterday, and 85% of them are negative thoughts, what Zig Ziglar called stinking thinking. Yeah. Okay. And if you're thinking is stinking, your dreams are shrinking. Mm -hmm. And not only that, if you think I'm getting a little woo woo here, Dr. Bruce Lipton, who's a world renowned cell biologist has proven your thoughts are a frequency that have the ability to penetrate your cells and the membranes that I was speaking about earlier, communicate with your DNA nucleus to tell it to produce a protein. And if it's an inflammatory thought, it's an inflammatory protein. If it's a negative thought, inflammatory protein. But if it's a positive thought, a loving thought, a grateful thought, it's an anti-inflammatory protein with dopamine and serotonin and oxytocin. So if you have 60,000 thoughts per day, those are 60,000 opportunities to put your body in a healing anti-inflammatory state every single day. So mindset is one of the fundamentals. And then movement. I'm not talking about doing CrossFit and all that's great, but just moving your body. Once you have that locked in, then you add, of course, other biohacks and things that we talk about. But the fundamentals is really want to get rock solid and build that foundation. And then you start building everything else around that. Yeah, I think that's so important because we often forget about the mental stuff, especially the thoughts. And when I went down the personal development rabbit hole, I was like, oh my gosh, I have been so bad with like letting my thoughts just roam around and just sit mm -hmm. there and, and also believing them. And yeah, Dr. Bruce Lipton, I have his book, The Biology of Belief. If you haven't read it, I highly recommend that you read it. It's just, it's going to blow your mind. And yeah. it's like, it's funny how you say like, oh, it's 
you know, I'm not trying to be woo as if it's like, this is so out there because it's real. It's just something that like most people don't talk about, especially in the health and the fitness and the weight loss space. They just talk about like, here's what to eat and here's your macros and here's your calories and do this exercise and eat less and move more. And that's how I was taught. I went to school to be a dietitian and that's how we were taught to help clients lose weight. Just cut their calories, have them work out more. And I did it for all my life and it never worked until I discovered keto and I just kept on cutting. I remember at one point I was eating like 500 calories a day. I was basically Mm. starving and I had lost so much weight. Yes, but it like lasted, I mean, not even a month. And then I couldn't take it anymore. My body, like I was the thinnest I've ever been. And, you know, I remember like going to J. Crew and and trying on my normal size and it was like too big. So I got like another size and it was too big. And I was like, I think I was a size zero or two. And you would think normal women would be listening. Like, oh my God, I'd be so happy. I was depressed. Mm. I was truly depressed. I remember going home and crying because I was starving and then I couldn't take it anymore. I ended up just like, it was on some crazy diet and I went downstairs in the pantry and I grabbed, I had this like cashew blueberry cereal and pistachios and I just like literally ate my weight in them. Wow. And then I was like, I'm done with this calorie thing. And then it was like within a week or two, I had gained like 20 pounds. And that's wow. when I realized that it's just not working and I have to find something more sustainable. But all of these things matter, right? And we often neglect it. And I talk about this holistic approach that I know you teach also. And I'd love for you to cover your four pillars of what you teach at Keto Camp. And by the way, I have your book, Keto Flex. I see it there in the background. It's a great book. And I love that you introduce kind of this concept of keto flexing. I feel like when I started talking about carb cycling, it was just kind of in the keto space. You're like, oh my God, wait, aren't you the keto girl? Uh, And I was just like, why does it have to be the all or nothing? And there's so many aspects and we change and our bodies change. So can you cover your four pillars and why you created them the way you did and how they kind of go in sync and align with this bigger picture view of health in general. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And you're right. A lot of people in the keto space, they think keto is the only tool in the shed, but it's it's not. It's one very powerful tool, but it's one tool. There's so many out there as well that we could utilize. So my four pillars are adapt, fast, phase, and flex. First pillar is called adapt because we're getting your body fat adapted. plus of American adults, they're not fat adapted, they're sugar adapted. They're used to burning sugar, which is inflammatory. They have to eat every two to three hours. They're constantly having energy fluctuations and yo-yo weight loss results. So we want to get them fat adapted into ketosis. And that's why it's called ADAPT. So we teach you how to do that. The book outlines how to do that. We talk about things like the keto flu and how to drop your carbs low enough, why we focus on bitters for the liver to break down the fat. So that's the first pillar. The second pillar is called fast. And the reason it's called that is because it's intermittent fasting. Now we introduce intermittent fasting. You're now more metabolically flexible. Now we could have more of a eating window that's condensed and a fasting window that is longer. And that will vary and we do different structures, but then we practice intermittent fasting. So that's the second pillar. The third pillar then is called phase. And it's called phase because we're phasing out all anti-nutrients, aka we're doing carnivore. We're doing a carnivore diet, which is kind of like an elimination diet. Great for the gut. Great for the, the body, inflammatory markers will improve, brain will improve. You'll even, you're still in ketosis because carnivore is keto, but we're doing a variation of carnivore. There's four different levels. So we do that as a gut reset for about 30 to 40 days. Some people do 60. Then when you have completed those three pillars, which should take you like three to four months, 
Now you have unlocked the badge to start flexing. And what flexing is, shared it earlier, carb cycling. It's going in in and out of ketosis strategically. Not saying you have pizza and ice cream, but you have healthy carbs at the right time, one or two times per week to get yourself out of ketosis and then back in, out and then back in. And that's metabolic flexibility. That's what we want to do. So that, that fourth pillar is all about that. And there's also a chapter, as you know, about how women should do keto flexing and keto and fasting differently than men. So in general, that's how the four pillars are broken up. Yeah. And I, I love how that you include all those in there because it's like, you would think that you would just be going around saying, oh, just keto's God. And you just got to do keto all the time. And it's just like so dogmatic, right? And that's just not yeah. how our bodies work. And it took me, you know, six years of keto to realize that. And now I know it. I'm like, hey, we all make mistakes. You know, you used to teach your fat loss seminars. And I used yeah. to just say like keto 24 seven all the time. And then, you know, you realize like, oh, well, not so much with high cortisol and this and that and, and adjusting during menstruation and all the things. So it's just, there's so many things that happen in our body. So to wrap up, if women are listening and they're just like, okay, this just seems like all so overwhelming. I am busy. I'm a mom. I have a career. I don't have time to to do all this and plan my meals and like the carbs and stuff. What are just like some quick tips that they could just get started starting today to make little improvements in their health that don't require counting calories or obsessing about macros and things like that? Yeah, it goes back to the fundamentals. First, start with your sleep. If you're getting five hours of sleep every night right now, aim to get six, all right? Make that one change. Master that habit and then stack another habit, which would be, I would recommend practicing gratitude daily. I know this is not probably the answer people thought I would share about like, they probably thought I would say like, do a 16-8 intermittent fast or eat this amount of carbs, but practice gratitude first. I call it vitamin G, the strongest vitamin in the world. So quality sleep, write down 10 things you're grateful for before bed and in the morning, Those are your first two steps. And the reason I say gratitude is because it's a universal law. What you appreciate, appreciates. Mm -hmm. What you put energy into, expands. So put energy into the things you're grateful for. God, the universe, will give you more things to be grateful for. Then you could start to manipulate your nutrition. And simple way to start. Take your carbohydrates. If you're having 300 grams of carbs per day, like the average American, your audience is probably not. But take those carbs down below 50 grams in a gradual sense. And at the same time, just eat more healthy fat and protein, eat more eggs, eat more beef, eat more fatty fish, quality oils like avocado oil that's not cut, olive oil, butter, things of that. Just eat more fat and protein. Just track your carbs, make sure it's under 50 grams in the next few days, and you should be in ketosis. And just with those few steps right there, you're going to feel better. You're going to reduce inflammation. And as a side effect, the weight will start to come off. And then you can start to kind of do more things to add into the mix, but without trying to confuse you, sleep, gratitude, and drop your carbs below 50 grams while increasing protein and fat. And in seven to 14 days, you're going to feel so much better. I think we could do that. I think that's doable. I love the gratitude. I used to have like, I don't know if you heard of the five minute journal. Yes, I have. You heard of that one? And I I swear it like changed everything for me. Just Mm. sitting down every morning and writing out what I'm grateful for, like what happened yesterday and what I want. It was just like, I couldn't even believe it. I was like something as simple as that. So I highly recommend it. Thank you so much. This was so insightful. I think that a lot of women that are going to be listening are going to feel relieved. And they're going to be like, take a just take a breath. Just like, oh, thank God. I don't have to count calories. 
And I hope they got a lot. I know they got a lot out of this. So where can we find you? I know you're all over the place and you have a lot going on. So let us know where we can find you. And I also know you have a resource for our audience, which I'll put in the show notes. So give us all the deets. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for having me on your show. I had a lot of fun. I love your work too and what you're doing. And my podcast would be a great resource. You're coming on my podcast very soon. It's called the Keto Camp Podcast. Camp is spelled with a K. So it'll be an easy transition as you listen to Les's podcast to uh, subscribe to the Keto Camp Podcast. And then my YouTube channel, we love the YouTube channel, which is just Keto Camp on YouTube. And then my website is uh, benazadi.com, which kind of has everything on one site. Yeah, go check him out. And also he's on TikTok. You forgot to mention yeah, the good old TikTok. TikTokers. TikTok, <laughs> Instagram, we'll put all those links in the show notes. So go follow Ben. He's doing amazing work. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Fit Mom Squad podcast. If you liked today's episode, make sure to leave me a review on iTunes and share this podcast with your friends on social media. Don't forget to tag me at BSB Tribe. If you want even more resources, make sure to go to www.bsbtribe.com and head on over to a private community on Facebook, Fit Mom Squad, so that you can get connected with other moms who are crushing their health goals. I can't wait to see you on the inside. Until next time, keep focused on your goals, mama.